Chapter 15 The peaks are silent but for the breeze stirring up high. Down below crickets sing and then the sound of two children walking draws near, one of them favouring an injured foot. They are doing their best to hurry and put as much distance between themselves and the farmhouse as they can. But little Mikey can't match Annie's pace. And she knows it. Between them is the shadow of the man, the creaking of his boots, and the one word that he spoke. Annie. They are silent. It is her secret, and so her right to speak or not. Little Mikey's foot is dragging. Maneuvering it over the rocky path and up the steep gradient is taking its toll. He slows, falling further and further behind. Annie looks back at him from time to time, slowing herself. At a bend in the trail, a flat rock offers them a seat and she takes it, making a show of being tired herself, and he sits gratefully. She looks out over the valley, the farm hidden by the first low sweep of the mountain. Both know that the man is out there. They can see the main country road. It trails long and yellow, a single car buzzing on it without sound the dust of it hanging in a long sweep. Annie places her hand nervously on little Mikey's wrist, giving it an awkward squeeze. She leans over, resting her head on his shoulder. Thank you. The little boy says nothing. He doesn't need to. The hut isn't too far from here. It should only take us two hours. There should be food there, and we'll see one of the shepherds. Little Mikey looks out at the road down below, stretching long, running from one world to the next the past to the future. Do you still want to come with me? He, he won't stay long. I, I think if we can stay in the hut for two days, we'll be okay. What about your mama? Won't she worry? She will understand. Little Mikey nods. Even though he is a boy, he has seen enough of the world to understand what lies behind such words. He reaches up, putting his arm around her shoulders. He smiles at her. We can stay as long as you like. I'm sorry your foot is sore. It's okay. She leans forward, pulling his pant leg up to look. Oh, the ankle is swollen and angry red and it juts out to the side. You can't walk on this. She looks at him, consternation in her eyes. He smiles gently. Yes, I can. We have to go back. Why? To get you help. He shakes his head. We have to stay here. She puts her head in her hands and then sobs start trembling through her shoulders. This is my fault. He hugs her tighter. No, it's not. It's his fault. But I'm such a terrible friend. I made you come and you're hurt. You didn't make me come. I wanted to. And my foot is just the same as it was this morning. I don't know what to do. We're doing it. Look. He points out to the beautiful valley where an eagle drifts high on the wind. Our plan is good. Don't worry. We'll go back in two days. But little Mikey's foot was not made for the mountain trail, and they are not making the time Annie had hoped for. Anxiously, she watches the path behind them, looking for his shadow, hiding her glances from little Mikey. I think we should take this one, she says, at a point where the trail branches off to a smaller tributary leading away from it. There's another hut down that way. No one will look for us there. Little Mikey nods, trusting her knowledge of these mountains, and they struggle on. Will he follow us? 
little Mikey asks later, as the sun begins to touch the western peaks. Not today, maybe tomorrow. I've stayed out before. As dusk begins to settle, they find a cave a little way off the trail. It is shallow, a perfect overhang with a sweep of smooth rock at their backs. It is good to sit and lean up against it. Beside them are the remains of a fire. Shepherds stay here sometimes, she says as they settle themselves. Will we see them? I'd have thought we'd have seen them already. I'm sure we will tomorrow. Little Mikey pulls his backpack onto his lap. He digs inside it, pulling out a small bottle of water. He hands it to her and she drinks, taking only a small sip before handing it back. He passes her a chocolate energy bar and places a small, half-eaten pack of dried fruit on his lap. She eats half the bar and gives it back to him. They watch the colours change in the valley below. The farm is far away now, half a mountain between them, and even the road is gone from view. They are truly alone. A breeze rises, ruffling the top of a dew-cup bush before them. You don't seem scared, she says. I am, but we've made our decision, so there's no point in worrying about it. He folds the wrapper of the now-eaten bar between his fingers. Anywhere you turn, your road is always in front of you. You can't run from it, so what's the point of being scared? What is coming, is coming. Well, shouldn't I be going home then? Aren't I running? Do you think so? She looks out over the valley, a fierce look spreading on her face, her scowl bunching between her eyebrows. No, I'm not running. I'm training. One day, when I'm ready, then I'll turn and face it. I believe you. And what about you? She asks after a time, as the sun glistens and shimmers behind the silhouetted peaks, burning red and orange, sinking from this world. How is your road? You should be on the road to Chotstad. Little Mikey looks down at his hands. He sighs. I am on the road to Chotstad. It's just taking longer than I thought. He looks at her and smiles. Besides, I'm glad to be on this path with you. His face is fading in the gloom. She can see it disappearing as above them the stars are beginning to burn. I'm glad to be here with you too. He smiles in the last of the light. I never knew I would come to your farm or even be in these mountains, so close to the escarpment. I never knew I would meet you. I'm lucky. She smiles too, a smile seen by no one. I never knew I would meet you. The darkness is complete. Somewhere, an owl hoots. They put their arms around each other, as best they can among the rocks and the cooling air. Mikey, what is the road? She asks after a time. What do you mean when you say it? You know. She feels his hand placed on her chest, above her heart, his open palm. The road is your life. The world is black. They can see nothing of each other or the mountains, nothing but the splendor of the stars, shining like suns. It seems an eternity, but finally morning comes, and they are happy to be up and moving. Little Mikey is even slower today. The faint path snakes ahead of them, alternately disappearing between the piled rock of the mountains and then appearing again, drawing them forward. By mid-morning the trail is gone. Annie scans constantly, looking from peak to peak, searching for a familiar landmark. 
This way, she says, leading them on a different route through the bush and tumbled rock. The crickets sing in their high, high pitch. This way, she says again, cutting back in another direction. And little Mikey slows and slows, fearfully, and he looks back. It's mid-afternoon when she stops again. She stands looking ahead and then turns to look behind. Little Mikey joins her and both see peaks, cliffs and crags with no end. Everywhere the mountains are the same. Fear comes whistling on the wind. They sit. What do we do? She asks quietly. She glances at his ankle. Even through his trousers she can see that it's swollen. Oh, Mikey. She moans, turning away from him. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made you come with me. She buries her face in his shoulder. I didn't want you to get hurt. The wind sings. This high up, the crickets have gone. It's okay. You said we only wanted to be away for two days. We only have one more night to go. But Mikey, you don't understand. I don't know where we are. The mountains rise above them. Castles of a different land. I don't know how to get back. He takes her hand. We don't need to worry yet. We still have food and water. Maybe the hut is just around the next corner, and then you'll know where we are. Let's carry on a little for today. Rest, and then tomorrow we can make a new plan. Maybe something will turn up. He stands, gently putting his weight on his foot. He takes a limping step, and then another, and slowly he moves off. She follows. The place where they sat is empty for a time. Nothing there but the silence of this wild place. And then something moves. A cat comes padding past. It is big and yellow with black spots throughout its fur. It moves silently along the trail, its nose to their lingering scent. Night comes and little Mikey and Annie sit huddled in front of a fire. They have disgusted and they no longer want to be hidden. They feel that if a shepherd sees them it will be better. And so little Mikey has used the lighter in his backpack to make a blaze among a pile of dried brush and thorn. Annie has collected a good amount of sticks and branches for them and the flames brighten the world. Annie has wild times on her lap and both are paging through it. Do you like being on the road? asks Annie. The real road, I mean. I love it. Why? Everything is clear. I know what to do. When I'm hungry, I get something to eat. When I'm thirsty, I find something to drink. And the water tastes the best, every time. When I want to go somewhere, I put my thumb out. I know how the world works when I'm on the road. It makes sense. Don't you get lonely? Sometimes, but I meet so many people, I forget to be lonely. But don't you miss your friends? He shrugs his thin shoulders, bringing them right up to his ears. Yes, but I know I can see them again. I know where they are. But they don't know where you are. Well, if you go to Gootstadt, when I go to Gootstadt, he smiles. When you go to Gootstadt, you'll be alone too. Aren't you afraid of that? No, I want to go. I want to ride. So it's like that for me. I want to be on the road. Why? I told you. I'm going to my mama. She stops her paging of the book. But what if you don't find her? 
my mom can't find your dad and she's obsessed. What if you can't find her? I'm going to try. But what if you can't? Then I don't know. Will you give up? No. But what if she's gone? The creases in little Mikey's forehead furrow deeper for a moment. The flames biting shadow into his face, his jaw pulling tight. And then he shakes his head and looks away. Finally, he turns and smiles. She'll never be gone. Annie watches him. She closes her book. She folds her arms around him and puts her lips to his cheek. You are the best person I've ever met, she whispers. She lays down, putting her head on his lap. I want you to find her. I want your foot to get better, and I want you to be happy. He puts his hand on her shoulder. I want you to be happy too. I want you to be the best rider at Wild Society. Both watch the flames, and soon she is asleep. Little Mikey reaches for his backpack, careful not to wake her, slides his hand into a pocket in the lining, the right one, and brings something out of it. It is an envelope, similar to the one his mother gave him, but not the same. This one has no handwritten note on either side of it. Rather, it has a printed address, and the top of it has been torn open. Carefully, he pries the slit open and unfolds the single sheet inside. Greyfile Prison, 17 Heidefeld Road, Alfredville, Gootstadt, to the bearer. This is to certify that Ms. Clarissa Stansfield, 39, has passed due to pneumonia, 17 March. In the absence of next of kin, Ms. Stansfield has been cremated and laid to rest in the prison cemetery, plot 42. May she rest in peace. Mr. O. Klansky, Warden, Greyfold Prison. Little Mikey looks at the letter. He has read it many times, mouthing the words that were first read to him when he received it at 14 Albertane Lane, the house where they say his father lived and lives no longer. Tonight, the effect of the letter is the same. A hole opens inside him, a devastating dark. Clarissa Stansfield. Little Mikey sits silent, staring at her name, remembering. He folds the letter once more along the grooves that have nearly split it through. He looks up to the stars. I'm sorry, Mama, he whispers before placing the note back in his backpack. And it's then that the animal comes rushing out of the bush. Little Mikey hears the rustle and turns to the sound, seeing only black after the flames, and then something rushes from it. Annie! He shrieks, pulling her awake as the animal comes towards him, eyes bright mirrors in the firelight. Little Mikey reaches out with his foot, kicking the burning coals that they scatter, and the cat hisses and crouches. Mikey? Annie slurs, sitting up into the whirlwind. He is standing, reaching for her with one hand, and with the other reaching into the fire to take up a flaming stick. There's an animal! What? Get the backpack! Quick! Annie! The beast growls and Annie screams. Mikey! Get the backpack! The beast is circling beyond the reach of the flames, its eyes locked on them. The flames are dying down as is the burning branch in little Mikey's hand, and it is coming closer, watching evaluating, waiting. We have to climb! 
The two scrabble backwards, the burning stick held out against it, Annie clutching the backpack to her. Get the knife, shouts little Mikey. She is scrabbling in the backpack and the beast is circling closer. It lunges across the flame, testing them, and they shriek and jump back. Climb, Annie, climb! Just as the beast bursts past the flames, both spring from their places and jump onto the rock wall behind, somehow in their terror finding footholds. Annie is streaking up the rock face to a ledge above them, but little Mikey is too slow, his left foot a clumsy thing, and as he climbs behind her he feels a horrible tug that nearly pulls him from the rock. Annie! The tug leaves him, and he climbs on. Mikey! Annie is shouting for him, sitting on the ledge, her hand out, reaching down. They find each other in the dark and she pulls, and both tumble to the open ledge where the wind whistles. I think it bit me. Both are clinging to the rock. The ledge is sloped and if they do not hold on they will fall. Annie unslings little Mikey's backpack, and with one hand he searches in it. There is a click and a beam of white light shoots from his hand, bathing the rock around them. He leans over and shines the torch down, and there is the cat with its eyes flashing silver in the torchlight watching them. Mikey, she is hugging him, her other hand clamped to the rock wall. The beast paces down there, frustrated, hissing, and then it launches itself at them, a scrabbling fury. Both can see its claws ripping at the rock in the torchlight, finding no purchase, and then it falls backwards, spinning in the air to land on all fours, already looking up and hissing at them again, pacing back and forth. Mikey, she moans in his ear, Mikey, you're hurt. His left pant leg is wet. Mikey, it's okay, he manages, adrenaline pulsing through him. It, it doesn't hurt. Let me look at it. No, let me look. Carefully, she climbs around him while Mikey watches the cat. It paces and stares and snarls. Oh, Mikey, is it bad? He flicks the torchlight to his leg. His pants are ripped and his leg is soaked in blood. It is certainly bad. Mikey, Annie is hugging him again, her warmth surrounding him while the cat watches with its silver eyes. Oh, Mikey. She looks around, standing, and then pulls her jersey over her head. We need a tourniquet. With the knife, she begins to shred it. You should cut my pants. You'll be cold. Shh, she replies, cutting strips and then kneeling beside him. Just above his knee, she lays the strips and knots them as tight as she can. I need something. She looks around. A fig tree is growing defiantly from the rock quite near them. She snaps a woody branch from it and twists it into the material and turns it, tightening the knot. You mustn't bleed too much. Does it hurt? Little Mikey shakes his head, even as the pain starts. Both look down at the cat. It is still there. Annie takes the torch from little Mikey and scans the rock leading up to them. There is no path for the animal to follow. Even she doesn't know how they made the climb. I think we're safe up here, she says, and then moves around to sit behind him, putting her legs and one arm around him to keep him warm while she holds the rock wall with one hand. We must save the torch, he says, both of them looking at the cat lit up in its white light. Little Mikey hesitates, and then he clicks off the torch. All is black. The dark seems to shriek. Mikey, moans Annie, and little Mikey clicks the light back on. The cat is still there, pacing, watching. Will he go away? Little Mikey whispers. I don't know. We have to save the battery. But he does not turn it off, and she does not protest, and both watch the circling beast.
Minutes stretch as the furious thing paces, until suddenly it stops its circling. It looks up at them for one long moment, eyes flashing in the torchlight, and then it turns and disappears into the dark. The clearing below is empty. Nothing remains but the scattered remnants of the fire. Annie grabs the torch and desperately turns the light to the surrounding rock, searching for the animal, but the dark is too thick. It is gone, somewhere out there. What do we do? she asks. Wait for sunrise, whispers little Mikey, his leg throbbing like the stretched skin of a drum. This is my fault, she whispers as she holds him with one hand and the rock wall with the other. Every twenty minutes she climbs around him and releases the tourniquet. Little Mikey writhes as life floods the leg, and finally the blood stops running. Together they sit out the long night. The torch flickers and dies. Finally, they see the shape of the horizon in the east. They are exhausted, she holding him, both sitting quiet as light comes. The mountains return to sight, massive in orange, riven without shadow in this time before the sun. The world returns, the veil of darkness lifted, moment by moment. They stare dully as the soft light creeps over them. Annie looks out with tired eyes. From this height, up on the ledge, everything is different. A peak in the distance seems strange, tugging at her, until she remembers. A bolt of energy ticks through her, making her sit upright, causing little Mikey to stir too. What is it? That peak, she speaks through cracked lips. I know it. Little Mikey tries to focus his eyes. He feels Annie shift behind him, sliding out. I know where we are. She stands up behind him, looking out. It's Sante Kluif. That peak, it's, it's just behind our house. Little Mikey screws up his eyes, trying to focus. We've come back around. We're not far from home. She kneels next to him. I'm going to get you help, she whispers urgently. I'm going to run home. But the leopard is down there. The leopard is sleeping. I'm getting you help, Mikey. We are going home together. At that moment, the sun crests the eastern line. The bright orange of it bathes them, chasing the last of the night away. I won't stop until I get there. You'll see. I'm going to run for you. You are going to be okay. She hugs him fiercely and kisses him on his cheek. I'll be back soon. You'll see. I'm going to run like the wind. She stands up. Wait, calls little Mikey. He reaches into his pouch and then places something in her hand, his red pocket knife. Annie nods, closing her hand around it. She kisses his cheek once more, and then she is off, sliding down the smooth cliff almost. So sure-footed is she. She kisses his cheek once more, and then she is off sliding down the smooth cliff almost, so sure-footed is she, and then streaking away. Little Mikey watches in wonder. Her beanie has slipped off her head. Her dark hair flows out behind her in a wave. She can run. Oh, how she can run. He understands then how slowly she walked for him. He smiles. She has a chance, surely. She is so fast that he thinks even the leopard couldn't catch her. As she fades into the distance, he looks to the rising sun. There is no pain as the world wakes, turning from pastel to bright colour. It is a moment out of the grinding of time, a gift of peace. Little Mikey exists there, 
one hand lightly gripping the sloping wall, complete. But slowly, moment by moment, heat comes. The gentle sun turns hot. Little Mikey stirs. He places his palms on the rock and heaves himself backwards, inching against the slope, pulling at him. There is a little shade up there beneath an overhang. He slips a hand into the backpack and finds that there is a little water left. He frowns. She didn't take it with her. The silence of time descends, but it is not complete. The sounds of the shy life of the mountains are here. Tiny birdsong twitters from the bush all around. A dung beetle crunches by, and the rock with its long memory seems to sing all around him. The mountains hold him. The rock holds him. As the moments drip one into the other, he feels as if he is seeping into the rock, sinking into another place, away from the sun. The cold of the rock seems to whisper to him, calling without words, inviting him to slip into the crack. Pain pulses and he jerks away, back to the sun beating down without mercy. He looks at his leg and it is swelling. I'm going to die. The thought occurs to little Mikey suddenly, and once it is heard, it overwhelms him. Mama, he can feel the rock pulling at him, and he does not want to go. But what if his mama is there, waiting for him? What, why should he not go to her? I'm free, he murmurs to himself, wiping his forehead and shifting against the rock at his back. Stupid, he murmurs, seeing now how foolish he and Annie were to come out here alone. He sees the face of Commander Eugene his shoulders broad and strong. He tries to be like him, to look death in the eye, this thing that is whispering to him from every which way, calling to him from the rocks, telling him to let go. I'm not ready. He touches water to his lips. It moves through his cells like electricity. I'm not ready, he says to the silence, and the mountains hear him not at all. Nor do the chirping birds or the crunching dung beetle no thing hears him, but loud in his ears is the rasping of his voice and the hammering of his heart. He looks to the sun. Maybe it's noon. A flash and he sees Hatlas's truck hitting the car and the boy on the funeral pyre afterwards. Little Mikey sees the lifeless face, lit by the moon. He will go the same way. He knows it. His face will also become a mask, its emptiness pointing to some other place. In his mind, he sees Annie running along the trail, flying like the wind. He smiles. Run, he whispers, his tiny voice lost in the immensity of this furious world. He closes his eyes, her smile on his face. The sun climbs, taking his little shadow away. Movement down there, a grunting and pawing. Little Mikey struggles up and peers down to the clearing below. The cat is there, pacing and moaning. Suddenly it jumps at the rock. Little Mikey watches in horror as the beast finds purchase, climbing higher than the night before, its paws seeming about to touch the lip of his ledge, its extended claws flashing in the sun. She is hungry, he thinks, seeing how thin she is. Go away! The cry leaves his body and he hears it. Why? She is just hungry. She tears against the hard rock, hissing, and then slides back down in a boil. 
Little Mikey lies panting, nauseous with fear, the strap of the backpack biting into his stomach. He leans over, seeing the cat pacing again, looking up and grunting, its eyes seeing meat. Go away! This time his voice cracks in fear and the leopard stops pacing, digesting the strange sound of its prey. And then she sits, her paws placed in front between her hind legs, her head cocked to one side. You can stay here with me all you like, he murmurs. If you're here, you're not with her. You stay here and leave her alone. The cat cocks her head to the other side, listening. And then she lies down on her side and rolls onto her back. Still, she watches him, her white belly open to the sun. Little Mikey shifts backwards and notices that when he does, he leaves a black stain on the rock, some of it still wet. You can smell the blood, he mutters as he shifts against the slope, all the way back to the very end before the overhang begins. You're hungry, aren't you? The cat yawns, her eyes fixed on him. His vision swims. You're waiting for me to faint. You think I'm going to fall down to you? Yes, she seems to say, swinging her hips so that her hungry belly turns in the sun. Well, I won't let you do that. Annie is coming for me. And then a chill passes through him. Annie. If she makes it back to him soon, the cat will still be here. The machine of his mind kicks into gear. With horror, little Mikey realizes that as long as the cat is here, waiting for him, it is waiting for Annie too. Go away! He shouts again, but his strongest cry is only a whisper. He looks around. The rock about him is smooth but for a tiny piece of shale, a million years old. He stretches out, collects it in his palm, and with all his might hurls it. It goes clattering down the rock face. The leopard does not move, simply watching as the rock falls far from her. Go away! But he knows she won't. She yawns and flips onto her belly. She closes her eyes, dozing. Little Mikey looks right, following the trail Annie took. He thinks of climbing down, confronting the beast. With what? He wouldn't last a moment. Annie. Suddenly a plan forms in his mind. He peers down. He can see the trail marvelously, twisting among the towers of rock, tracking away towards the distant farm. At the head of it is a white boulder burning with the brilliance of the sun, flashing into his eye. Her boulder, he decides. It's there that she will appear, and there that he will warn her. He looks up to the sun. It is bright burning in the blue summer sky. Good. He is glad that Annie didn't take the backpack, and he is glad that he has extra batteries that he did not mention stowed safely at the bottom, because if she comes in the dark, he will still be ready. Run, Annie, he whispers as he folds the backpack open on his lap, carefully maintaining a grip on the rock wall with one hand. He pulls the torch out, putting it on his lap. He clamps his legs around it, moaning quietly at the pain. He screws the top off of the torch and opens it. He pulls the bulb out with its connector backing and then the glass. Cupped in his hand, he aims it at the sun. It flashes, searing his eye. Little Mikey smiles, his lips cracking. He turns back to the distant trail and her boulder is there, shining white in the shimmering plain. With his tongue between his lips, he aims the glass, flicking his wrist. There, he is sure he can see it. A flicker of light on the bright white of the rock. A flash that from down there will be as bright as the sun. 
He imagines her appearing there and the light stopping her short, his warning to her. How long will she take? In his tired brain, he goes over the distance they must have traveled from the farm, the crunching of their every step, the sound of their every breath. He cannot judge the time that has passed, but he can remember how swiftly she ran. It could be soon, he whispers, hoping it is true. And then anger tightens in his tummy. He remembers that man saying her name. With even more resolve, he scans the bush out there, purposefully closing his tired eyes and then opening them again, testing himself to see if he can spot her boulder. And it is there again and again, sparkling with brilliance. Sandstone. The thought drifts through him. He aims his beam of light, practicing, hitting the rock again and again. Annie. Carefully, he pulls the parts of the torch back into the backpack, and then, on impulse, he heaves the backpack over himself. He twists part of the strap around his wrist and another around his rocky handle. He feels relief in his hand. The strap is helping him hold on. He leans sideways against the strap, peering over the edge. There is the cat, down and to the left, just her hind paws showing. He closes one eye, trying to judge the distance. What now? He has no answer. All he can do is wait. He turns his head to the relentless mountain. Later, he is dozing, the strap holding him both to the rock and to life, happy that he has a plan, that Annie will come to no harm because of him. He sleeps and wakes, sleeps and wakes, the strap tugging at him. When he opens his eyes, the sun has shifted. Annie. He looks out to the valley to find her boulder. He blinks. The boulder is not there. The land is featureless, flat, no brilliant light on it. He cannot work it out. He blinks again, trying to clear his woozy head. He doesn't understand the gloom over the rock that should be burning until he looks up to the sky. Cloud, a battalion of it has come in, drifting high and thin and obscuring the sun. Grunting, little Mikey flashes his glass and there is nothing. His light is gone and so is hers. Fear snatches his breath from his lungs. What do I do? He looks down at the cat. He can see her hind legs. She waits still. Mikey, the hairs on his arms rise. He has heard his mother's voice in his mind. Come home, Mikey. Come home to me. He can hear her as clear as the clouds above him. She is calling to him from the rock. Mikey, it's time now. Come home to me. He turns his head, looking up to the battalions of cloud. Out of them the sound of washing machines comes, turning in the heavy air, calling him to lie down and sleep. He closes one eye, and above him the great oak tree murmurs in the wind festooned with winter's washing. Mikey, no, Mama, the sound of the machines intensifies. It churns in the air, over and over, a heavy thing boring inside him. His eyes are drooping. He wants to lie down within it, to sleep, and then terror touches him. To sleep is to die. The rivers of rock rise around him, rising to the lonely sky. Help me, he snaps awake, sitting up, looking round desperately. 
The great sky above him is silent. Mikey! His head snaps to the trail. That was not his mama. Mr. Mikey Stansfield! He sees a machine out there, jumping from ledge to ledge, a yellow-suited rider with blue helmet atop it. Mr. Stansfield! It is his rider, his figure lost on the roads, but never truly lost. He is jumping the cliffs out there in the immensity, bumping up from ledge to ledge. Come ride with me. But Annie, she is on her road. You are on yours. But I want her to be safe. Your road is turning. It's time for you to go. Mikey, his mama's voice is beautiful. Her curls are tumbling between his fingers, her ears under his palms. She is tying his shoelaces. He can feel the tugging on his leg without pain. Mr. Stansfield. The voice is loud, rumbling in his head, seeming to shake the mountains. He squints into the cloud-covered sky, and in front of him forms the face of the rider. It is impossibly large, stretching away left and right, the great visor shimmering like a silver lake. Mikey, we have one more jump to make. Little Mikey can see the heavens part behind him, the path of their jump laid out, the blue earth falling away. One more jump, my friend. Annie. He looks to the trail and it is empty, and the leopard is still there waiting, always waiting. The rider is touching him and his pain disappears. Come now, Mr. Stansfield. It's time to choose your road. Little Mikey feels fear. But, Mr. Rider, he babbles, where does it lead? You know. His body is lifting from the rock, lifting from pain. But she is out there. She is coming. You must choose. Annie is flying along the trail. He knows it. Planets and suns spinning in the heavens behind her. Where does the road lead? Little Mikey pleads. To the same place as any road. All to the same. Where? Mikey! The cry is distant, wafting on the breeze. Little Mikey looks out to the trail and he can see her. Annie! She is flying along the rocky path, her long legs bounding, her hair streaming behind, and another figure coming after her. Steph! His long legs pound the trail, a rifle clutched in his hand. But he is too far behind her. She is too quick. He tries to shout, but only a whisper rasps from his throat. Come, Mr. Stansfield, our road is before us. A jump is rising ahead its end shrouded in a swirl of stars. Little Mikey looks back. The cat is aware of the runner coming. She is watching the trail, her body coiled, her ears full of Annie's crunching steps. Annie. Again he looks to her. She is closer now, and little Mikey's road is finally clear. He sighs, all tension leaving his body. I don't want to go with you. He twists his wrist from the strap and begins to fall, sliding along the rock, gravity pulling him, the ledge rushing closer, his eyes turned to watch the animal below. Suddenly, he is weightless. He twists, and the last thing he sees is the startled yellow eyes of the cat looking up at him. Annie! he cries.